I got fed up seeing people die and no one else cares. What I see with my eyes, I want the world to see. San Francisco is in a gridlock. The city wants to deal with the homeless encampments, but there's a judge that has blocked the city from cleaning up these encampments. Meanwhile, residents are becoming frustrated with what's going on on the streets of San Francisco. Housing first, and then that's it. They'll stick a person in the housing, then they give them some needles, some aluminum foil, some pipes. And to me, that's like assisted suicide because they put them in these units, in these residential hotels, and just let them sit there and suffer with that addiction they have. The city doesn't check on them no more. My guest today is J.J. Smith. He's a concerned San Francisco resident that's going around and documenting what's going on in the city so that hopefully he can bring change to his community. I see people dying. I see people going to drugs and I see that the city can walk by and see this person doing it, but don't do nothing about it. Stay tuned to hear an insider's perspective on what is happening on the streets of San Francisco. I'm Siamai Korami. Welcome to California Insider. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. We want to talk to you about San Francisco and what's going on on the streets. You're, you're pretty much monitoring the streets, what's happening there. Can you tell us what's going on there now? Well, it's a lack of the government in the city. It's a lack of them not helping anyone that's from one of these poor communities. There's a lot of homeless there. There's a lot of drugs selling there. And there's a lot of drug addiction there. So how can that be? San Francisco is calling themselves a champion of helping the poor communities. Like, is that, isn't that the thing that San Francisco is about, equity, equality? Well, the only help I see San Francisco's doing is helping these people stay on the street. And they're also helping them use the drugs because they're enabling them. So what do you see when you walk on the street? What do you see what's happening there? What do I see? I see people dying. I see people going to drugs and, and it's free for them to do it. I see that they like doing it. I see that the city can walk by and see this person doing it, but don't do nothing about it. People are just standing there doing, doing drugs in the middle of the street. In the middle of the street, you get on the bus, they're doing it on the bus. You can walk past City Hall where the mayor's office is at. They might be on the mayor's step doing it. And what about the homelessness? Well, housing first, and then that's it. They'll stick a person in the housing. When they stick them in housing, then they give them some needles, some aluminum foil, some pipes. And to me, that's like assisted suicide because they put them in these units in these residential hotels and just let them still sit there and suffer with that addiction they have. They don't check on them no more after they give them the housing, after they give them the needles, after they give them the pipe. The city doesn't check on them no more. So they give them the tools to do the drugs? Yes. And then they don't have any services for, you know, recovery or anything? They say they do, but they don't. I've been on the streets for many years. I don't walk and spoke to everybody out there. 
I have never seen anyone. I'm not saying that they don't, but I have never seen no one come through there and ask them, hey, would you like to go to rehab? Would you like to go to treatment? I have never seen that. And I spoke to a lot of individuals there. I say, when these people walk up here and offer y'all these free needles kits, these free syringes, these free aluminum falls, do they ever offer y'all any type of treatment or rehab or even give you a brochure or a pamphlet? They say no. And I don't witness that in my own self. So there's talk about recovery, but really like they're actually letting people have the drugs and they really don't have a program for them, is that? That's correct. And you, you call this assistant suicide. You had your own family member that went through this process. Can you tell us that story? Well, my brother has been homeless by choice, i say roughly around 15, 16 years. He's been sleeping in a tent in this alley called Willow Alley. They have a hot team come out there and offer y'all rooms and all this stuff. They got him a room. Now, during the time he was in his tent, he was using drugs. But there was always someone there around him in case he ever OD'd while he was there in the tent. Because there was a tent here and a tent here. I never heard of him ODing out there. But once they placed him in a hotel room, he was able to go get his drugs and go get his free needles, go get his free pipes. And he was able to take that in the room with no one there with him. And he sat there and OD'd in the room by itself. So to me, when they gave him that room, that was helping him commit suicide because they never addressed it, his drug addiction. They never addressed it, any problems he had that led him to be homeless. So the only thing the city did is helped him commit suicide. You have been actually going on the street and documenting. You have your conversation. So this is how I found you. Like you're actually talking to these people on the street. And some of these images will show some of the clips. So have you been eating? Yeah. All right, that's good. They feed you there at the navigation center? Yeah, they have, uh, they're open 24 hours, all night, all day. Um, whenever I need to eat, I just go there, have a bowl of cereal, cereal so, or something, and hang out for a bit. When we spoke previously, you said you was using meth. I am, yeah. Are you still using meth? Yeah, that's my addiction. So you, are you ready to give it up? I am, but um, I I am, but um, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard? Yeah. Do they offer you any treatment for services in the navigation center? Like, have anybody offered you in there, like, a recovery plan or anything like or, that? Uh, uh, like, detox? Yeah, anything. Um, I've thought about it. Uh, they haven't offered me anything, but I've, I've thought about it myself. You thought about it yourself. All right, well, it's nice talking to you. I'm going to stay in contact with you now. Awesome. I always answer my phone, so. It's shocking of young people on drugs, right? Correct. That really breaks my heart. Because a lot of these young people, they're supposed to be our next generation. And they still have a lot of life in them. But they're destroying it. And I can't sit right there and not just encourage them to try something different. Tell us about what you're doing. Like, what, what are you doing uh, these this, this posts now? You're posting videos on Twitter about. Yeah, so people can actually see. They see things that the city want them to see, what the city put up there, or what the 
med the big time media broadcasters put up there, but they don't see everything. They don't see this dead body. They would have never known that if I wouldn't have posted. They didn't never see this guy OD. They would have never known that if I wouldn't have posted. They don't know how this man used drugs. They'll walk by it and look and say, ugh. But no, I have a conversation with him why he used the drugs. And I want to know, why did you put that needle in your neck? How does it make you feel before you did it and after you did it? And there's people that drive by in their cars and they look. And they be curious. Ooh, why did he put that there? I'm going to answer that question for you. I'm going to let you know. They see people smoking the pipe. Why are they driving by and looking? Ooh, why is he smoking that? I'm going I'm to ask him that question and put it on video and let you know why he does this and why they do this. And I want you to actually see what the people there are doing so you know what type of help they need. Do you think that media is not doing its job? I mean, I'm not saying the media isn't doing their job. I'm just saying the media is not showing everything that's going on there. They only show you clips and glimpses of what you want you to see. And they will show you a clip of somebody getting high, but they won't have a conversation with that person and find out, why are you getting high? What does it do for you? I mean, have you ever thought of doing anything else besides getting high? Do you want some recovery or anything? That's what I do. I want to get to know them. I want them to tell their story, where they come from. What made them decide to make that choice to get high? Do you want to stop getting high? I want to tell their story. Before we continue, we would like to thank Shen Yun for sponsoring this channel. I lived in China for two years and experienced two different Chinas. One is the China we know now, unfortunately with communism. And the other is ancient Chinese culture with 5,000 years of history, strong values, ethics and morality that has been lost. Shenyun Performing Arts is reviving this 5,000 years of Chinese traditional culture. It takes you back in time to magical world of ancient China with a unique blend of brilliant dancing, beautiful costumes, and legends coming to life. Go to shenyun.com to find out the schedule and theater information. It's a lifetime experience you don't want to miss. Book your tickets today. Now let's go back to the interview. Have you ever been uh, in a situation where you do this and then it got violent and you kind of had to figure out what to do? Or? Um, I, there's never been a homeless person or anyone that used drugs out there has ever got violent with me. But the drug dealers has got violent with me. Why do they get violent with you? There's a school over there I asked them not to sell drugs in front of. One of them said something, and I didn't understand what he said, said because his English wasn't that correct. And me, curious, I asked him, what did you say? And he said something to me in Spanish that I didn't really too much understand. And then the other guy that was on my right side of me, he pushed me. And I guess they automatically assumed that I was a homeless person that was telling them this, or I was a drug addict telling them this, because their English wasn't that correct. So I pushed him back. And then one of the other guys that knew me, that's a Honduran drug dealer, he told them no, but it was too late. 
the fight has already started. And we got the fault, and I, I turned around. When I turned around, I see the guy with a long knife, and I tried to run. When I turned back this way, I got hit in the top of the head with it. Wow. Wow. And then somehow after he hit me, then he, he dropped it, and I reached for it, and then here come a few other homeless people and the people that was using drugs, they ran over there and they start grabbing the Honduras and here come more Honduras. They here come more homeless people. They all came in and helped me. Wow, wow. Given that you're facing this situation and you're going out, what do you want to achieve with your, with your videos? And I just and want- in general, going out and meeting people. I just want people to see what I see. People to understand why some of these homeless people are homeless, why some of these people are addicted to drugs. If I'm able to change one person, that's good because that's one less person that's gonna OD. That's one less person that the city don't have to worry about him breaking into a store or somebody building or somebody house. If I'm able to reach one person so inside of them and make them want to change, I feel as though that's great. That's one less person that we have to worry about. You've been posting these videos on social media and some people might look at this critically because you're documenting people in, in a bad shape. Have you faced criticism for doing this? Yes, I always face criticism. I mean, I just tell the people that do criticize me Wait a minute, you don't criticize National Geographic for the things that they post, the, vi the movies they make, the documentaries they make. You don't post the big time news media when they come out here and do this. I mean, there's nothing wrong with what I do. We walk by and we see this. I can go outside and turn on my surveillance cameras and it's right there. It's right there. What I see with my eyes, I want the world to see. I'm not evading no one's privacy because I don't need no one permission, first of all. But I asked for their permission if I could talk to you and video you. I asked them and they give me that permission. I don't hide my camera and do it. Then you got people say, how would you like it if someone documents you at your worst? Okay, I'm a, I'm, I, I don't mind, but I'm gonna put my worst out there so you can see. I put mines out there too, so you can see. I documented my own worst and let you see, so you don't have to ask me that question no more about how would you like it if somebody seen you at your worst. Do you think documenting that on camera will help these people? Yes, yes. Speaking to them, I've got a lot of people offering help. I have a few therapists that follow me they came out and walked with me and spoke to some of the people that I have spoken with. There's a lot of other people that I speak with that I'm not documenting. There's a lot of people I speak with that I don't put on video because they're not ready. But the ones that are ready, yes, I do put them on video because they know it, they know it. And they want to tell their story. I have had help from people that do follow me. 
What about the homeless advocates or people that care about the homeless? Like they, they talk about caring about homeless. Do they want to help you? Do they want to get involved to help what you're doing? Has anybody reached out to you to, to help you with what you're doing? None of the homeless advocates has ever reached out to me. I guess because some of them do, don't mind what I'm doing. And then you got a lot of them that don't like what I'm doing. But tell me this, what are you doing? That's what I ask them. What are you doing? If you don't like what I'm doing, then won't you come out here and do something about it? Come out here and help these people. I don't, not once in any video have I ever called a person a junkie. I don't look at them as junkies. They're still human beings. I don't, I don't degrade anyone. I don't talk bad about anyone. That's not me. I'm not that type of person. If I speak to someone, I'm going to try to help them while I'm speaking to them. I'm not going to turn my back on anyone. The homeless people, advocates, the homeless advocates went to the judge and got an order for the city to stop moving the homeless people around, stop taking their property, stop taking their tents. I get that. I get that. But not once has the homeless coalition came out there and cleaned up none of the stuff that the homeless people got out there. Not once. There's a lot of trash. There's a lot of garbage. There's a lot of feces. But they want the city to leave that right there and not clean it up. They want the trash to be all the way out in the streets. They don't want the city to come in and clean it up. They got to move the tents in Norton area to clean this up. You got businesses right there. People urinating in front of the business wall because the tent is right there. What about this business? I understand that these tents have nowhere else to go. I don't want to punish nobody because they're homeless. But then, what do you tell that business owner that's right there and the tent is directly in front of his door? What do you tell him about the trash that's building up and he can't even walk into his business because there's so much trash and you have a judge that said that they can't remove move the tent to clean the trash up? They were gonna just clean the trash up and they don't want that cleaned up. No, they don't want them to even speak to the homeless people. Why not? Why do you think they want that? Uh, that's, I can't answer that question, but it's not about punishing the person because they're homeless. No, that wouldn't be fair. I wouldn't want to see a homeless person being punished based off of him being homeless, but I, I still would want a clean street to walk down. Do you think the homeless advocates have gotten to a point that are actually going to hurt the homeless in the long run, in the long run with what they're doing? I can't even tell you what the homeless advocates are doing for the homeless. I don't even know what they're doing for the homeless. I haven't seen a homeless advocate do anything for the homeless. Homeless was living on my block for years, but for the last three years it's got worse. And I haven't seen not one homeless captain, one homeless coalition person up there ever speaking to anyone. And I asked them that too. They say, no, they don't even know what a homeless coalition is or who are they. 
They asked me, is the homeless coalition of people that come through and pass out the needles that says glide on his shirt? And I said, nah, that's not the homeless coalition. He said, oh, well, those are the only people I've ever seen. And he's been sleeping in that tent right there for a year and a half, other than when the police move him to the other side. But he, he has always been on that block for a year and a half. Do they criticize you on Twitter, these advocates, or how do they criticize you when they come and say you shouldn't do this? Um, they like they like trolls. They'll leave a message and then disappear. Then I look at their site. I see them bounce back and forth to different people' messages. They got me confused though, and I like to set the record straight on that. I'm not a left wing. I'm not a right wing. I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican, I'm not a liberal, and I'm not a conservative. I'm just a man, that's all I am. Now they think I'm with this wing or that wing. No, I'm not, I'm just a man, that's it. So you think they're kind of bringing politics into this? Yes. And they're like a political, and from what we were gathering, it looks like they're using homelessness as a political thing, and then they go after people. Yes, that's what it is. That's what it is. Maybe they're getting funded too from the city, and I don't know what they do with the funding, but if you really care so much, come out there and speak to these people. I haven't seen that. You're advocating for them, okay. Advocate for them, that's great. But when you're gonna come and speak to someone, are you speaking for these people? that's living on the street, but you're not out there speaking to them, letting them know, seeing what they want. I don't get that. Y'all show up to these city and government buildings and pick it outside in front of them, for them, but I haven't seen you do anything for them while they right there in that situation. I don't know. I haven't never met nobody from the Homeless Coalition. So it looks like the, the advocates don't want anything to change, the homeless advocates. So they got the judge, and, and the judge actually kind of banned the city from moving the, the tents, right? And the residents are getting really frustrated with what's going on, and they kind of want to deal with it themselves. It looks like, and the city's stuck in the middle of all of this. It looks like a gridlock. Then do you think, what do you think will happen? <laughs> What I think is going to happen is some type of decision is going to have to be made in, I believe the city attorney of San Francisco, he's just going to throw his hands up and say, until DPW and the police remove everything, just remove the encampments. They're going to defy the judge's order. I guarantee it. Because there's going to be too many complaints. There's going to be too many new tents popping up. There's going to be to the point where some of these people that's living on the street is going to get really, really disrespectful in one of these. Either it's going to be a homeless person or it's going to be resident. a resident or a business owner. Someone's going to get hurt, honestly, because it, it's, it's getting to that point. That's why the water hose came out. It's really getting to that point where businesses and residents are getting frustrated. But like I said, there's nowhere for them to go, but the city has shelter space. 
when they have shelter space and beds available, they walk down the streets and they ask these people, would y'all like to go into shelters? Or would you like to go into a private room? Nine people said no. But they still get to stay there and sleep in their tent. So the whole homeless coalition has said that there's no bed spaces. So why move the tents? Why move them? Why punish them? But what about when there is bed spaces? And there is somewhere for them to go. And we're giving them that resource to go here. They, they still say, no, we don't want it. And they're still left there to terrorize these residents in this business. So somebody will have to throw their hands up. Because the homeless coalition, they did their job. They fought for them. The police, the city, they did their job by fighting for the residents and the businesses. Somebody got to meet halfway and give in. Because if these people don't want no shelter bed, they have to move from that space. At least move from here somewhere else so they can clean the street. Let this business have their business back. Let these residents have their front door back. I mean, I feel bad that some of these people are homeless. But then again, you're getting help. Some people are, they're reaching out to you and there's ways to help you, but you're turning it down. It's not like they're not getting the help. That's the... Yes. A lot of people is turning it down. They had... I was, someone contacted me. They told me they have some beds available in Harbor Light. That's a treatment and rehab ran by the Salvation Army. As soon as I heard that out, I went out to the people who told me that they wanted recovery. I told them, man, they have beds available. They have space for you. I can make some phone calls and get you in there. But now they, they changed their mind. They're not ready yet. So... You can find some resources sometimes, but you can't find them right then and there all the time at that moment. But when the people don't want no help, what what are you gonna do about it? Leave them there to destroy this business, to terrorize these residents? It's not fair. So it's like, I put myself in everybody's shoes. The business, because I was a businessman before. The residents, because I am a tenant in the city workers, in the homeless coalition. I try to put myself in everybody's shoes and, and see how will everybody else look at the situation. I don't pass judgment and I don't, I don't never throw my opinion out there unless I need to, but I see what everybody see. And it's like it's a no-win situation sometimes. That's how I feel. You mentioned in the beginning of the interview that the, the, the city has kind of created this problem for the poor communities, right? That yes. Why do you think that is? Um, well, let me say this, Tim. There's a, there's a lot of reasons why it's more homeless on the streets. And the city is one of those reasons. I remember on my street, there was at least six privately owned hotels. These hotels, 
the people people on the streets used to go outside. Whatever they did, they did it. They made twenty dollars, thirty dollars, fifty dollars. I don't know how they made it all the time, but it was illegal too. But they was able to afford a room. Cause the rooms used to go in there, you could get a room for like two hundred dollars a week, thirty thirty dollars a day. But now those cities took those rooms. They turned those rooms into SROs. And it used to be people that used to actually live in those rooms. So they SROs is for homeless people, is it? Like yes. For, okay. The city kicked the people out that was living in there prior to them taking over that hotel. So city created some of this problem? Is yes, the city created some of this problem. Not too long ago, on two doors away from me, had a hotel named the Art Mar. I had a friend, Paul. Paul used to spend 260 a week to live there. But the city took control over that hotel now. Paul was removed from that hotel. Paul sleeps in a tent now. So do you think the city did that because they actually brought other homeless people from different areas and put them into these hotels? Yes. So essentially they kicked the people that were in there. Yes, because everyone that stays in the Art Mar, I have never seen them before. They're not from the Tenderline area. But before the city took control over the Art Mar, the Art Mar used to be a neighborhood hotel. Now it's ran by a company called Five Keys. Hmm. And they are giving it to the city. Yes. Do you think that there's going to be big consequences if nothing changes? Or do you think the, the approach that is taken is going to have some results? Do you think things will get better in Tinderloin or would it get worse as if things continue? It can't get no worse because it's already at its worst. Only thing you can do is get better. I've been in the Tinderloin for so many years. It has always been drugs there. It always been drug dealers there. But it hasn't never been like 50 to 60 drug dealers on one block at one time. Wow. You could go down this long stretch of street called Hyde. Every corner you get to, it's all filled up with drug dealers. Now, nighttime, it's even worse. Now, I took a walk last night through Skid Road in Los Angeles. Now, I spoke to people about this. They told me I didn't see everything. You're right, I didn't see everything, because I went at night. And I did stay there part of the day too, but so far what I've seen, I've seen a lot of homeless in Skid Road. Now there are drugs down there though, but I didn't see it so openly as it's openly in San Francisco. So it's more open in San Francisco? It's more open in San Francisco. Now your approach, you're going in the street, you're meeting these people, you're having conversations, you're talking to people about recovery. And I've seen your videos, you genuinely care about the people. And I can, I can tell you, you really care about them. And why do you think the city is not doing that? Because the people who they have or they think is doing it, they're not doing it. I believe the city is funding someone somewhere doing it. That's my thinking. But those people are not doing it. In the little street teams they do have that come around to speak to people, they're speaking to them the wrong way. There's no type of empathy, no type of compassion there. So people tend to not trust them and talk to them. 
And then sometimes these people come like they're afraid to speak to people. And they come with the police escorting them. Sometimes the public people on the streets don't want to speak to them with the police there with them. I don't have no police, no security guard. I don't come through there with a bunch of judgment and a bunch of opinions. I just come there, open my heart up to you, and talk to you, and I'll get that in return from them. Are you doing that because of your brother's story? Are you trying to... No, like I said, I've been speaking to people even before my brother. I had relationships with people out there before my brother. I just start openly speaking about it because of my brother. Because I got fed up seeing people die and no one else cares. There's a lot of talk about that in San Francisco. People talk about it, right? caring about it. But somehow it's not getting to the community. There's a lot of talk about compassion because some of these people that are giving the housing and they're giving the needles they are saying we should be compassionate to people that want to do drugs and we should respect what they want to do and help them in the process. I, I understand the reason for giving out the needles. I understand it. I get that. I understand the reason for them giving out the crack pipe in the aluminum fall. I understand that and I get that. But what I don't understand is why not offer them more than just that? I'm not talking about housing. Offer them some treatment. Talk to them about this before you give them the needles. Have a conversation with them. Get to know who they are first before giving them the needles. Ask them anything about recovery before you give them the needles. Don't just give them a needle and say, okay, here, bye, see you later, come back tomorrow for another box of needles. JJ Smith, compassionate San Francisco community member. It was great to have you on California Insider. Thank you. It was great to be here. We want to ask you to sign up to our California Insider email list. You will receive exclusive updates on our upcoming documentary and get the latest inside stories on everything that's happening in California. Go to insiderca.com and sign up 